Welcome to Shofar Ronnebosch Sermon Podcast. We trust that today's message will edify and strengthen your faith. Thank you, Reino. Hi, guys. So, I was invited back. <laughs> That's incredible. Um, I'm very excited. It's amazing to see what the Lord is doing. Um, this little thing that you just did about sharing who got new jobs and stuff like that, it's just amazing how the Lord is, is doing much of the same on our side where we're just realizing that church is something else and than what we've kind of made it. And the fact that we actually say we are going to church is actually such a weird thing. We shouldn't say we are going to church if we believe we are the church. You understand? And the fact that ch- church is a place and a service and a thing is just, it's starting to really freak me out and I'm asking questions about how did we end up here. Um, so it's amazing to see this and we're also starting to share testimonies of success and people's businesses and stuff like that because it it really excites us to hear. Um, It gives you guys support and it keeps you accountable to be in that space where you're called to be. So that's amazing to see. Um, And then I'm also excited about the fact that I I had a sermon this week that I thought I was going to share. But then the last two days, the Lord started to do something in my heart, and I felt I maybe have to do something else. And then this morning, it was just confirmed. So um, I I didn't have slides. I told Reino a while back that I'm conforming to the image of Christ and that he didn't have slides whenever he <laughs> preached. So I'm just humbling myself in that process. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I'm, I'm excited because the words that was shared about peace and um, the other word that was shared about at the, at the offering message about being counterintuitive, the Lord being counterintuitive is um, some of the things that are on my heart. So it's just confirmed. So let's just close our eyes and so we just consecrate this to the Lord. Father, we pray that you would have your way. We look to you alone. You're the only one that we want. You're the only one that we serve, and we want to receive from you now. We are hungry for that, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. So, you know, there is no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus, right? But there is an invitation for those who are in Christ Jesus. So often when one shares hard words, you can receive it out of a place of feeling condemned about it. But if you do understand that you cannot possibly be condemned, you can receive it with an excitement in your heart because this can maybe help me to go deeper. There is no condemnation, but there is an invitation. Just a little principle. And then... Um, in that light, what J- Jason said, God, you know, the Lord is counterintuitive. I wanted to quote that scripture that he had on just to help us understand that his ways are so much 
higher than ours. And as it is counterintuitive for that little boy, when you say that he cannot have a sweet for lunch every day, for him it's counterintuitive because it makes the most sense in the world that I should have a sweet every day. And my father is being counterintuitive by not wanting to give me sweets and give me horrible stuff. But then we grow up. And with the Lord, we will unfortunately never grow up enough to understand the wisdom behind all of his counterintuitiveness. Because his ways are just higher than our ways. But then we trust in him and in those ways. And we see the fruits. And then we hold on to it and say, Lord, we'll trust in you. Even though it looks different. So, one of those weird things that we read in Scripture that I often don't know what to do with, and I still kind of don't know what to do with, is that one where Jesus says that he who doesn't hate father and mother and even his own life, for my name's sake, is not worthy of me. You know that Scripture? What on earth do you do with that? Jesus said it. And then we would interpret it and uh, very wisely say that, well, in the light of him, in the light of his, of his face, of his, of his glory, when we look at him and we see these things, then the extent to which we love what he has more and what he has, uh, the extent to which it is more worthy, would look, it would make our... Um, adoration for these things look like hate, okay? Which is almost there, but it still kind of doesn't make sense. And um, so I'm going to tell you a testimony of something that happened in my life, okay? That changed the course of my life and that helped me to make a little bit of sense of this and that speaks into this word of peace, a lot because when the word was shared I felt that it's like when I pray for you for a headache the headache can go away but if you still continue to not drink water the headache's gonna come back right so there's some of us that need peace in our lives and you can receive it in a moment but it can be it can be gone the next when you're still engaging the things that caused it when they were not removed. Okay? So, let me go. It was um, <clears throat> um, a couple of years ago, I think about eight or nine years ago, I was at a big worship event. And at this worship e event, I was, I was still at Stellenbosch. I was finishing up my master's degree at Stellenbosch, so I had a, lo a lot of time on my hands. Um, or that's what I thought. Until the crunch came. So I was at this worship event. And by that time I was really following Jesus with my whole life. We went on missions the whole time. It was an amazing time of my life. And um, I was uh, kind of finishing up studies. And I needed to find work soon. But I yeah, it was a, I was in a little bit of a tough space. Um, but I trusted the Lord for what was going to happen. The, um towards the end of the year, but at this worship event, it was one of those moments where I met with, I can't say it any other way, 
met with God in an incredible way. And I cannot explain, I cannot understand. But fortunately, I was standing right in front of one of these big speakers that was like pumping the worship music out over everyone else. Tief Berger, I think, was leading the worship and it was amazing. And I was in front of the speaker, so it was really loud. And in that moment, I saw him. It completely broke me. It took down all my defenses and I stood before the Lord and I in that moment, something weird happened. And you might get offended if I say this, but at the I started screaming at the top of my voice. And I started declaring <laughs> over all and many of the things that were very precious in my life. I declared and shouted just out of a out of response towards seeing him. I shouted, I said, I hate my desire to get married. I hate this min ministry and missions things that I have. I, I hate the degree I have and my hope for work. I hate this, this church that I have that I'm, that I'm part of. I, I hate even family. And I screamed it at the top of my voice as I met with him. And in the moment, I didn't understand it, but I just had a full conviction of what was happening. And afterwards, if you would do something like that, if you, if you say, if you're not a, a married, and you say, I hate my desire to get married, you kind of feel like it's being, it's being torn out of you, and you're actually giving it up. And I was so scared in that moment for what I just did. It still doesn't make sense to me, okay? So don't ask me to like explain everything that happened there. But it is scriptural. So <laughs> I was standing there and I just realized that so many of these things were things in my heart as they are. As, as, as beautiful as they are. Ministry and marriage and family, they kind of come in the way. And we pretend like they're holy, so therefore they're allowed in the way. But they're not. Our marriage is not. 1 Corinthians 7 makes it very clear that, that Paul's unhappy with the people who get married because they now have got worldly cares how to please their husbands. And they say, he says, I don't say this so that you don't get married, but I say this so that I may uh, secure your undivided devotion to the Lord. Our marriage will, marriage will only make sense, for instance, if we are both 100% devoted to him and not to each other. So, and with, you know, something like ministry, it can just get into your heart a bit. So these beautiful things I laid down. I didn't lay down TV games. I didn't lay down watching Game of, Th of Thrones. And I'm not speaking about those things because those are obvious things. Want to get closer to Jesus? Stop watch, watching Game of Thrones. We don't need to have a sermon on that. It's just logis. Okay? So if you're with me, I'm kind of going to the next level where I'm saying lay down the good stuff. So we laid... 
in that moment, I, I, I did that. And I, I remember I stood there before the Lord, not knowing what has happened, but I felt completely naked. And I felt like I was standing in this cave, like water dripping from the ceiling, and it's really chilly, you know. And I was scared. My like breath was kind of taken away by this uh, place where I was at. And in that moment, the Father just spoke these words to me. He said, now receive my life. And I remember I just, uh, I, I just dropped to the floor and I wept. And I think I wept for about two or three hours. Through the sermon, after the sermon, through the ministry, in my tent, we were at a camp, in my tent, just told everybody, I'm fine, this is a good weep. And I don't think there was any other way for my soul or my being to express what has happened to me than that. And um, I woke up the next morning, and um, as it is after things like this, you kind of continue with the rest of your life. So then I went to, <coughs> um, I went back, and I was at university, and, I, and in that week, I, I, I remember... Um, Something amazing happened. I I realized then that I've got about two months of money left. Then my loan is run out. And I'm completely in faith. I kind of saw that. I, I saw that coming, and I was excited for what the Lord was going to do because I was I would have no money. But I was in for for that challenge. Then. Um, Oh, and I needed to find work for the next year um, as an intern industrial psychologist, which you don't get paid for, and you don't find it very easily either. So I was a bit in a bit of a um, tight spot with regards to that, but that was okay. I was standing in faith. And then one morning I woke up, and as I wanted to go to the library to work, m my bike was stolen. I thought, oh, that's bad. Um, and I walked down because I was staying quite far from the library. So I walked down. And as I was walking down, I got a phone call from my mom. That she said, our dog just died. I was like, okay. Interesting day. So I went into the library and I opened up my mails. And the first email was from my study leader who hasn't replied to me in six weeks, as they do. For those of you who've know what I'm talking about. And he replied, so I've been on holiday for six weeks because I'm waiting for my study leader. Okay, So he replied and it was August, August, I think, like July, I can't remember. And he replied and he said, this thing is not going to work. You're not going to be able to hand this thing in this year. I had to hand it in end of September. Worst case, end of December, but then I'm in a bit of of a pickle. Now he's telling me the whole thing is not going to work. Like he read through it, he looked through it. We went for something innovative, but he said no. I was like, oh my goodness, this is going to be interesting. Like, you know, money is already up. Now I need another year at university. And I, op and, and, I and I opened up the next email, and it was a girl. I was pursuing a girl, seriously, at that stage. Um, side note, we lived, we moved to Woodstock a couple of months back, and now they are neighbors. But anyway, 
life, eh? So um, I was pursuing this this girl, and she went to Germany for her studies in that time, and uh, it was actually going quite well, I thought. <coughs> and then, as the men sometimes do, and then she just the the email after the mail from my study was from her to say. She's so sorry that she ever gave me any kind of hint that this might work. This is off. You know? And I'm, I remember I just kind of stood up and started walking out the library, expecting that I'm going to start crying any m minute now and just have this intensely justified session of self-pity until a friend would walk into my room and minister to me. So that was what I was expecting because everything just fell flat. And then I was flabbergasted, I think is a good English word. And I walked out of the library. And as I was walking out of the library, the weirdest thing happened. I got this massive smile on my mouth. And I started experiencing joy that I couldn't understand. I, I felt like I wanted to start running or dancing I was just like and I'm not really that kind of a guy but I felt like David in that moment I was like and all I could think is life is amazing it's amazing I've got the best time of, I've got the time of my life and <coughs> it, in my mind like it didn't make sense but I didn't care because I Enjoyed this feeling, so just gonna go f with it for now until I crash, you know. So I went with it, and I remember walking into friends, and they asked me, "What's going on? What happened? Like, did you just got your degree cum laude, or what happened?" You know. I said, "I, I don't know. I, I don't have money, and my bike stolen. I'm gonna walk very far, and my dog died, and the girl said no." And my thesis isn't happening at all. I'm screwed. And I said that as if the Springboks just won the World Cup, you know. And it freaked me out, you know. I saw some other people that asked, what's going on with you? I said, ah, I think it's Jesus. Which was my moment of wisdom. And then I tried to make sense of this incredible feeling that I was on. And as I was engaging the Lord of, on what's going on, he just reminded me. And he said, you remember that you actually gave me everything on that night. I actually took it. So you don't have it anymore. So it means nothing to you anymore. And this is how it feels when it's only me. And I was blown away. And I remember for the next two, three months, like nothing would go better, but I would be in the best, best space of my life. I would sit on those upstairs at the library, day in, day out, discipling guys, just telling them about the goodness of the Lord. Because you've got quite a testimony if everything is going really horribly bad, and but you're just in the best space. Um, space of your life. So then people listen. 
because you're being counterintuitive like Jesus. When you see someone like that, you're like, oh, that has to be something. I need that, you know. He's on, he's on, he's on something. So I, I, was, I was on a cloud for a couple of months. I didn't have anything. Everything was coming to an end. And I was like me and my water bottle and my backpack, Africa, it's going to be good. You know, that was all I wanted. And then on a, a, a certain day, in my quiet time, the Lord came to me and he said, I'm, I'm, I'm going to start adding to your life now. And I rebelled. I said, God, no. No. Like, I don't want it. I don't want these things again. I, I, I know what they do to me. They make me a normal person. I don't want to be that anymore. I don't want it. I want you and my water bottle and my Bible and my backpack. I forgot Bible a lot last time, but I want Bible also. It's a good idea. So then the Lord said, well, I will start adding. And then I realized what's happening is that now every good and perfect gift will come from the Father of lights. And I will only receive it. I made a vow, I think, of some sort. I said, Lord, I will only receive it if I know this is you. Otherwise, I don't want it. I will never allow anything in my life again that I don't know I received from you and I know its purpose. Because I couldn't bear the thought of having something in my life again. And I'm not sure where I got it from. It doesn't matter how, how good it looks. It doesn't matter if it's missions or ministry or marriage. And then, amazingly, the Lord started adding to my life. Within a month from that, I got a car as a gift instead of the bike. Our dog resurrected. I joke. I'm joking. <laughs> I, I got a car as a gift, which was much better than the bike. I still went on a honeymoon with, with that car. Then, in that month, I got a few wise thoughts. I put them into my thesis and it miraculously worked out. I miraculously handed it in. I miraculously got good marks. It worked out. Within that month, um, I got a job, an odd job, to drive around a US-based missions team. Um, and they gave me a lot of money. So I was fine for that month. And then in November, I got a ran this is so random. I got, I got a random job as a driver at the, at the Porsche 911 launch, which was, which was at, in Cape Town in 2011. I was there. <laughs> so there was four of us driving. 
Um, and then they just decided that one day they said, the two of you, you go that side, the two of you, you go that side. So I went this side. They said, the two of you, you you're going to drive the Porsches at the um, testing arena. The two of you, you're going to drive the buses that's going to pick up everything at the airport. Anyway, so I was that guy. But um, they paid us 800 rand a day back in 2011. I had enough money then to cover me October, November, December, and uh, January. So finances was sorted out. My thesis was sorted out. I got a car as a gift. And I was so excited because this is God. Within that month, I met a lady on those stairs at the library. We had our f um, first date. And we got married a year later. And within that time also, I got a job as an intern industrial psychologist at the only internship in South Africa that's highly paid at the military. It was like 24,000 rand a month as an intern who worked from eight to three. <laughs> yeah, at eight o'clock in the, like in, I don't know if any of you've been in the military, but you get there at eight o'clock and then it's broader. And then uh, there's no emails, okay? Like the military, is, you don't have emails at all, no one. So then you receive a couple of faxes and you see what, what's, what you've got to do. And it isn't much when you're an intern. So then you do some internet banking. And then um, at three o'clock, everyone can go exercise because it is the army, right? We need to be fit for when the war comes. So then at, at three, you go run or play touches, and at four o'clock it's his parada, parada, and everybody goes home. And I got paid way too much for that, so <laughs> I could I could pay my, I could get a wedding ring for my uh, wife to be. I could I could pay the honeymoon, and I could even e e e even pay a share of the wedding. So the Lord gave everything took away a lot of stuff, I gave away everything, quite radically, unexpectedly. He let me linger in that space, working in my heart, and then he started to add stuff to my life. And that has been, in some way, it's been a conversion, because I, I can't believe how I lived before that. I can't imagine how I lived before that in this weird space where I just, I just, you know, do stuff because it seems like a good idea and it seems godly to get married and I like this girl, so let's just do it, you know. Um, and what I want to take out of this and what I want us to respond to is two things. The first one is this thing of holy idols. And for some of you, it'll be a revelation to think of the things that you have thought are good. And you've never thought to lay down and even hate the things that you thought were good and godly. I left drinking. I left smoking. I left Game of Thrones. But I'm not going to, you know, <laughs> renounce my love for ministry, renounce my love for, um, I'm an entrepreneur. That's who I am. I make a lot of money. Not going to renounce that. That's from God. 
you think it might be. So there's a place where the Holy Spirit wants to highlight things in our life that we need to lay down that we always thought were good. But they're in the way. It can be your husband. It can be your wife. You don't want to make an idol out of them, do you? It's going to be very bad for you and them. And we see that everywhere. Your kids can be anything. Like Jesus said, hectic things when people wanted to follow him. He would say, like, no, you can't go and even bury your father. If if I'm on the move, then you can't go bury your father. You, uh, You have to decide. You know? Because he is worth that much. He is worth more than that. And we need to be a church that acknowledges him to be who he is. So laying down holy idols, we're going to trust the Holy Spirit to show you a few things in your own life. And the next one is that when we are anxious and we're not at peace, The majority of times that we're anxious and we're not at peace because we are concerned about something that's going to impact us. Work, money, something. Something's going to impact you. So anxiety is an emotion. So you spend so much of your emotions on a selfish purpose Actually care for yourself. Be anxious for yourself. That we found, and there's some literature on that even, that there's a correlation between anxiety and apathy. Because if you spend so much of your anxiousness, your emotional effort on yourself, you don't have any left for anyone else. So you just get blank. And you don't care. And you don't know why you don't care, but you just don't. That much. You feel a bit bit cold. And it's because those things have crept into our lives that we've allowed. And we're concerned about them. And the word of God says, do not be anxious about anything. You hear that's a command. It's not a nice suggestion. Do not be anxious. So if you are anxious, you should repent. I'm sorry, Lord, but I'm anxious. Because I'm actually turning my attention towards myself. Turn away from that anxiety and hand over those things to him. And be comfortable. And not only comfortable. Like, if I say be comfortable with the fact that the Lord even might want to send you up in Africa with a water bottle and a Bible and and backpack. We want to say, we must even be willing to endure that. But if you follow God fully and see his heart completely, then that might, that will sound like your greatest joy with your wife and your kids but there are things in the way that needs to get out of the way then we can have peace that surpasses all understanding because the peace I had it's it surpasses all understanding. It goes against logic. And it is it, it is Jesus.
So if we can have the worship band up, that would be amazing. Because I really believe the Lord wants to do a few things as we minister and um, pray to each other. And for s- some of us, there's a, it's a, a trust issue. Like we, we're not sure that we really trust the Lord enough to let go. You know? And we just need to trust Him <laughs> that he would, he would enable us to see Him for who He is. Because then we would trust Him. Now, I'm not saying having insurance per se is bad. But when, and I, and I have some, when the insurance companies phone me and they say, hey, aren't you scared that this is going to happen? I said, you know Johan Rupert? I said, yeah? He's a rich guy. I said, yeah. Now, if I were to tell you that he's my father, and he said he will sort me out, doesn't matter what happens in my life, scratches on my car for Johan Rupert, nothing. My wife falling ill for your honor, but nothing. I said, do you think I would need your product if he's my dad and he'll sort me out? I said, no way. <laughs> I said, my dad is way richer than your honor, but and he did say that he'll sort me out. He even wrote it down. <laughs> so when I do make a move into insurance, it's definitely not out of fear, but because I've got a good father who's better than Johan Rupert. Let's stand and let's just um, worship the Lord. And if I'm going to ask leaders and elders to come to the front, do you usually minister over here? I'm going to ask leaders and elders to come to the front. And then as the Holy Spirit highlights things in your life, highlights these seemingly holy aisles that need to go, and if you realize that there's apathy in your life and inability to actually care and love and receive from the Lord, then ask the Holy Spirit to show you. And if there is that thing, I want you to come forward. Don't stand there. The Word of God says, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another so that you may be healed. That's why we do this. That's why you don't just stand there. Okay? So let's worship Come forward as the Holy Spirit reveals it to you and let us minister to you in that. Is that okay? Yes, Father, we look to you this morning and we pray, Father, for clear vision that we would be able to see you for who you are. And when we see you, Father, that all else would just fall away. In the light of your glorious, glorious face. All else would fade away to nothing. Holy Spirit, we ask that you would move in us now. Move in our hearts, Father. Draw us closer. Draw us in, Father. We want to have your fullness dwell inside of us. So that we can have it and share it with this world from now into eternity. Holy Spirit, we ask that you would move now in Jesus' name.